coming up this week on the Course of Life podcast. Our front nine has a mess of random headlines from sickness at Riviera to the poops and some bad math and vapes. We cover it all from a crazy week on the PGA Tour and a very funny airplane hypothetical as well. This week's guest, it's another twofer. We've got LPGA Tour major champion Sherry Steinhauer joining the show to reflect on her career and her newfound love after golf and legendary golf swing coach rick smith that's right the instructor you know from golf channel and golf digest at the pga show live on the floor we connect with him as well and i tear apart nba all-star weekend and a mind-blowing basketball achievement as well when we always end with the food we're talking all things chicken that's right talking chicken as we always end with food here on course of life All of it brought to you by our friends at Desert Fox Golf. Be sure to head over to our YouTube page. That's right. Course of Life Podcast is now on YouTube. We just did an awesome feature on Desert Fox Golf, their line of products at the PGA Show. You can meet Scott, learn about the brand, and see all the awesome things that they're introducing to make your golf round more enjoyable. They're the king, unofficially, of the golf cart accessory game. So check them out, (laughs) DesertFoxGolf.com. interwebs and welcome to course of life we are proud to be presented by our friends at desert fox golf i'm michael he's alex and alex let's tee off with in and out burgers and how it gave tiger woods the runs it did it did that's the that's the perfect headline to this episode right no we're not we're not launching into talk about five irons over water and three putts on cbs the, the headline is that everyone on the pj tour got freaking sick last week in los yeah. angeles that really yeah. is the story yeah, and they all had In-N-Out being provided at the course, right? So uh, the, the takeaway here is that In-N-Out gives you the runs. You should stick to Whataburger because it's better anyway. Yes. And then you'll be fine. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So it all started with uh, – we'll start with the sickness with Tiger Woods. So yeah. he it's always a struggle to make it through four rounds. We, we've sadly known that to be the reality here. He's now basically two out of, I think, six in actually like completing events that he's registered for in the last year, year and a half. He makes his return at Genesis where he's hosting – and seventh round, second second round, seventh hole, carted off. It's a familiar sight. We've seen it a million times before, but it wasn't a leg. It wasn't nope. a knee. It nope. wasn't a back. Nope. It was Tiger just sick as a dog, caught some flu-like symptoms in Thursday, headed over into Friday, and literally just couldn't even go on and finish his round. So his week ends abruptly with a WD. Yeah, and I don't know what was more abrupt, him going out because of this mystery sickness or Jordan Spieth going to the bathroom and coming back in a scorecard being different and it being DQ'd. <laughs> it's funny. These are not jokes. These are actual no, things that this happened. happened. This actually happened. <laughs> <laughs> this actually happened. Tiger Woods runs sick, almost needed an ambulance, but walked off and left on his own power. And shortly after, yeah, Jordan Spieth sign for an incorrect scorecard. Yes, we're, we're still signing for your score at the end of the round. And Jordan Spieth couldn't do math. He signed for a three when he really made a, a four at a par three earlier in the day. And Jordan Spieth kicked himself out of the tournament as well, too. And he's, he's saying, like you mentioned, he had, a, he had a little bathroom break in between finishing his round. He couldn't even score his, his scorecard for the day, Mike, before he went to the bathroom. I mean, he he had to go that badly. I'm only left to surmise that he suffered from the same illness as Tiger this week. Yeah, it sounds like there was something going around, which is never a good thing to have happen at all. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Xander Shoffley was asked about Jordan Spieth and brought up like, maybe something, maybe it's finally time for them to make a change to this this out potentially outdated uh rule that they do where they have to sign their own scorecard, even though, you know, the TV cameras are keeping track of your score the entire time anyway, while you're out there and there's actual scorers out there keeping track of you digitally. And it, it, you know, I understand the reason why we sign our scorecards at the end of the day, because it's all about calling your own penalties and it's that honor code that's out there. But, you know, is it, is it time to change it? <laughs> yeah, it's like, you know, you you look at the idiot side of him, like, how does he not know that he made a three or four? Okay, he just made a simple mistake, but everyone else out there knows he made a four. He just wrote down the wrong number in the moment. So yes, in this age of 2024, where we've got iPad scorers on every single group, and we've got cameras on every single group, it, it, it does leave you to believe that this is something that 
is kind of outdated and, and should be updated for the modern era. I'd say something happens maybe the next round of rule changes as we head into this next offseason because this is one of those things that pops up every once in a while and everyone chimes in on social media and being like, golfers can get kicked out of the tournament for that? Yes. Yeah. Golfers can get kicked out of a tournament for incorrectly signing their scorecard. So uh, another weird one on the PGA Tour. The other thing I want to bring up, and I'm forgetting which golfer it was. I think it was this weekend. Didn't someone uh, someone almost miss their tee time or someone had to drop out because they had the wrong tee time information or they read their tee time incorrectly? And I'm forgetting who it was, but it, I feel like there's been a couple weeks now of tea time issues. With guys <laughs> there were, out there. and there was uh, Tom Kim also running out yeah. of the clubhouse to his tea time as well. Too, I'm, I'm also wondering if maybe Tom Kim spent a little bit too much time in the bathroom before he went to the first Potent- tee as well. Too, yeah. <laughs> potentially. <laughs> so um, the in and out really affected the entire field. Is the bottom line? Who it didn't affect was uh, was boring Patrick Cantley until Sunday mm-hmm. and Hideki Matsuyama, who carded a 62 to come from behind and take the W at the Genesis. Yeah, that was impressive. Uh, Hideki stayed away from the in and out, um, stuck to his normal diet and stuck to his game, which is all about consistency with his irons. And he was striping it when the weekend came around. And every once in a while, you get one of these crazy bomb rounds from Hideki where he just goes super low. He has a knack to do it. Like kind of when you count him out the most, the guy hasn't had a top 10 this year. He's been a little irrelevant in the last six to 12 months on the world stage. But lo and behold, he came with his best game at a classic course in Riviera, and his caddy celebrated with some vape puffs as he watched the final groups come in because Mike Hideki and the caddy, they could just sit there for an hour after he finished. He knew he was winning. He posted that 62 and was so far uncatchable from the rest of the first page of the leaderboard uh, that it was a nice long celebration for Hideki getting his first win in a while. So the question is, Hideki Matsuyama, will he win another major this year? Right. Green jacket champion. Well, I mean, yeah. you do. We do. This is what we do now. February yeah. to April is the <laughs> all right. Can he win an Augusta thing? Well, here's a guy that's already done it. So and you remember, this is the same caddy that, uh, that went viral yesterday that did the famous bow to the 18th green at Augusta National mm-hmm. after Hideki won his master. So um, good, v- good vibes for, for that team over there heading into Georgia in April. So if he can keep the game intact for another month or two, I'd watch out for him. All right, let's talk about uh, something new that's going on at Myrtle Beach, which is just um, kind of really driving forward the new way to enjoy golf, I think. Very well put, yeah, because there's a lot of talk about golf content. We have slightly dipped our toe into the YouTube golf game, but it stretches way, way further beyond us here at The Course of Life. There are hundreds, if not thousands, of amazing YouTube golf accounts out there, and content creators are really stealing the show with their influence in the modern era. You know, there's YouTube accounts and influencers out there that get more views and a lot of PGA Tour broadcasts, if people can believe that. And the Myrtle Beach Classic is taking advantage of that momentum. They're having a special little one-time, one-off tournament in which the winner in these group of content creators and YouTubers who are all very accomplished, scratch golfers or better, the winner will get a spot in a PGA Tour event. Now, I know a lot of people are clamoring, saying, is this a deserving spot? Listen, it might not be a deserving spot, but it's a spot that's going to give the Myrtle Beach Classic a lot more eyeballs than it had before. So I'm very interested to see how this all plays out and, and who ends up getting the exemption as well. Is is Remick playing? Is our guy Remick going to play? Because you know he's pretty good. He could win. He should have gotten the invite, but he did not. Yeah. So, oh. so let's get CEO of golf in the Good Good Desert Open, which they played at the Waste Management a couple weeks ago and let's also get him in this for 2025 as well because i think if i had to pick a youtube golfer who deserves a chance at it our our boy remick would be the guy so the field's pretty stacked though um looking forward to seeing fat perez from the bob does sports team uh dan rapport from the barstool sports team and a slew of other creators so be very interesting to see how the pga tour kind of ushers in the golf content creation world slowly but surely in determined play so definitely something to watch out for in the coming weeks on the uh, Champions Tour, they decided that um, 36 holes was enough uh, <laughs> at, at the uh, the Chubb Classic. You love that name, just, don't you? just a great name for a tour event. <laughs> uh, down in Naples where rain canceled the Sunday round. And unlike in the PGA Tour where they just reschedule if they can, they just stop play. They just say, hey, guys, you're old. That's enough. You're good. Stephen Ames, his seventh PGA Tour Champions title as a result of the uh, Sunday cancellation. Impressive stuff from Stephen Ames, and we'll get to him in a minute. But my lame joke—I I, got to drop my lame joke for you, Mike. You mm. know what it's called when they when they don't finish the uh, Chubb Classic and it's shortened by a round, right? Mm. 
It's called a half chub. Ugh. <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd hate that one. Uh, so yeah, 36 only for the PGA Tour champions, but I'm sure the old guys don't mind it. Um, they get rained out. It's Stephen Ames wins the range shortened event. And now in the oddities of the PGA Tour champion schedule, they're all hopping on a plane to Morocco. That's right. The PGA Tour champions playing in Morocco of all places this week for the Trophy Hassan event. So the hypothetical I'm presenting to you, Mike, is you're hopping on a plane Savannah to Morocco. Probably got a mm. couple stops in between there if you're going to do that flight route. No, you can but, do that direct. You yeah, you think so? Direct. Okay, yeah, yeah I thought yeah, so too. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, who, who are you sitting next to? All right, so we've got three options for you. Yep. Behind door one, John Daly. He's yep. a amazing conversationalist. You're going to get mm-hmm. the best stories of your life, but John Daly does come in a certain volume, and yep. he does have a certain amount of entertainment. So if you're looking to sleep or relax at all, he's probably not your guy. Yep. Okay, option number two. Miguel Angel Jimenez, most mm. interesting man in the world. Yes. Fascinating guy, not too vivacious uh, conversationally, but I'm sure he's an entertaining talk. He's not going to smoke his cigars on the plane either, so you don't worry about the cigar smoke. Option number three, Stephen Ames, a boring guy, but he's won a million times, so he might be treating you to some freebies. Who, who are you picking between those those three for the, the flight to Morocco? Oh, definitely the most interesting man in the world. I'm definitely going to Miguel. I mean, come on. Why Why wouldn't you? Mostly because I just want to ask him, how does your top half of your body look so unfit and yet your legs are like and they are they're like, like tree twigs and your 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 i just need to know about his his range of motion and his flexibility <laughs> yeah remember those stretching <laughs> videos that went viral of miguel I mean, at the majors when, on the range there when they pop back up i'm just mesmerized and before i know it i've been watching them on loop for like 20 minutes <laughs> <laughs> he's a fascinating fellow so regardless that interesting cast of characters i feel like this is a, a silly like uh, comedy movie sketch a bunch of old guys hopping on a plane for a professional golf tournament in Morocco but nonetheless should be some interesting content for the uh, for the 15 over crowd in the world of golf this week all right let's talk about uh, Sunday red golf I'm sure we've all seen about this uh, Sunday red of course is this community of people that play oh wait no that's not it it's uh it's it's the other Sunday red we wanted to talk about that's right. Uh, and, and you said it so quickly there. We got to make sure that we enunciate the pause Sun here. Sunday red. Yeah. Sunday red. Nope. Sun day red. I'm glad everyone said that while they were listening along. That's Tiger Woods's new three name golf merch brand. You know him famously for wearing the Sunday red. But yeah, I think it's like one of these old school marketing techniques, kind of like what we do to mesmerize our audience with our course of life branding. Apparently, three words like hits harder and is more memorable than two. So we've split up Sunday Red into say it one more time with me, Mike. Sun, Sun day, red. red. I also feel like there was, of course, a copyright issue. I don't know if this Sunday Red golf community thing that's out there already yep. has some sort of copyright going on Could but be. yeah no, no no it's not the same guys it's sun day red it's it's not sunday it's sunday overall it's- i don't know what was your initial Im- your my initial thoughts were the logo has kind of some vaguely familiar looks to the greg norman shark in the way it has the outline but it's also mm. a little skeleton like as it outlines the tiger. So I didn't really love Doesn't that, it have, but I'm, I'm, I'm calling it a seven out of 10 before I see the full line. Did, doesn't the tiger have like 13 stripes to represent his majors or something? Oh, wow. Right? Yeah. Does it? That probably sounds right. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, I believe that. Yeah. 15 too. make sure we get all yeah, those majors in there. But um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, <laughs> I'm not really super enamored by the early presentation of what I've seen from the brand. And I would have loved to see him actually wear it this past Sunday. That would have been great if we had made it What I did like, though, is that they did show that they're going to have a polo that is the same as same same pattern as what he Tiger wore when he debuted to the Genesis. Mm. Back in what was that? Ninety ninety five, four or five as a teenager. Yeah. Yeah. So and that actually yeah, it's kind of retro. That kind of look kind of cool. If they lean into kind of the retro look at the same time, I think that could be a nice kind of different way to to really embrace the tiger of old. Um, but you know they have a red polo, so how much you, how are you going to buy that? Right, you're going to buy that red polo. Probably, I'll eat it up yeah. eventually. I mean, this is we're, this is obviously not the last we've heard of this. This is a Tiger Woods back merchandise brand, so you know that we're going to get hit over the head with Sunday Red content and merch in the months and years to come. So I'll, I'll be curious to see what the rest of the line looks like. 
Hey, over on our YouTube channel, we still got more videos heading up there from our time at the PGA show. Uh, this weekend, you can see a video with our good friends at Desert Fox Golf, who have been our partners for almost forever, really, since we started this podcast, it feels like, uh, including a brand new speaker that they have, uh, which just uh, if you're if you're in the business of creating swag, everything Desert Vox does is great for that. But this speaker really embraces the swagness. Definitely. Yeah. The golf cart experience is what they do, like I said at the top. So be sure to check that one out. It's a really cool brand feature. And then the other one that we just put up, which you had a phenomenal edit on as well, too. Shout out to Mike for the edit on our visit with the Under Armour team. You you all know Under Armour out there for for the Mm -hmm. shirts, the hats, the wardrobe. But the footwear game from Under Armour was this maybe one of the biggest surprises of the entire PGA show week for me. And there were some amazing findings from me just putting on new Under Armour golf shoes. It was truly unbelievable. I mean, how many clubs do you expect to gain in distance when you put on a pair of golf shoes? Well, I mean, you you, you the answer would probably be like 0.1. Yeah. But like I was floored with what happened. So you'll have to check out that video again on our YouTube to see the gains uh, and the Under Armour Footwear Alliance, some really cool brand features as we're rolling out the rest of our PGA show content on our YouTube. The PGA Tour now heads south of the border for the Mexico Open at Vidanta, which, uh, by the way, my in-laws just came back from Mexico having played there. Oh, nice. Wow. Is it, do we even know, is this Puerto Vallarta? Is this Cancun? Is this Cabo? I know they're all kind of along that general coast usually, but. It's Vallarta. There's a million of these resorts, basically, for anyone who's flown into the Cancun area as well, too. There's just like an entire row. You go to this one highway for like an hour and every left turn for three, every three miles, there's another one of these beautiful resorts. Um, And Vedanta is no different from the early looks we got at it and then the young history of this tournament. Always a fun watch when you go to just kind of a little bit of a location that's a little bit off the beaten path for what PGA Tour fans are typically used to seeing on the weekend. So it should be fun to watch. That's right. And Tony Finau will be there to defend um, chances of either him winning or uh, sponsor exemption Patrick Harrington taking the W. Oh, my God. That would be awesome. Imagine (laughs) 50-something-year-old Patty, fresh off PGA Tour champions, heading down and winning on the big tour. That would be very Mm -hmm. cool. Uh, Tony Mm -hmm. Finau's putter looked a little sketchy last weekend at Riviera. He He had a couple of... Short putts, Mike, that were so short they went viral that he missed. So that, that's when you know it's not good for his short game right now. Uh, so we'll see what kind of form he brings down there. But defending champion doesn't hurt a bit. Again, I'll have picks on Twitter Wednesday evening at Course of Life 1 so you can see who I like this week. All right, let's get to uh, this week's first guest. She's an eight-time LPGA Tour winner, a multiple major champion even if some of those weren't officially majors yet. We're going to count them all. And she's the latest golfer turned pickleball addict. By the way, turned golfer again. Yeah, that's cyclical. It, interesting, cyclical. interesting cycle of life here for, for our first guest in Sherry Steinhauer because she lived the life as a professional golfer and then – it's an amazing story how pickleball actually brought her back to the game, and I'll let her tell it for herself, but a really cool conversation coming your way with Sherry Steinhauer. All right, we're here on the PGA show floor uh, with a longtime LPGA legend. She was just in action playing pickleball on the show floor. Also happens to be an eight-time winner and LPGA Tour major champion. It's Sherry Steinhauer joining us on the Course of Life. Sherry, how are you today? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for having me, Alex. Absolutely. Appreciate it. You're decked out in the Selkirk. We oh, love yeah. our friends at Selkirk. I can oh, tell yeah. pickleball is definitely one of your games in addition to golf. How, how did the game out there go today, though, on the show floor? Uh, it, it was great. You know, it's telling someone. It's so interesting because I used to come here during the tour days yeah. when I played on the tour I was here for golf and if someone had told me back then you know what you're going to return to the PGA show and it's not going to be for golf right. I would have wondered what in the heck would that be for <laughs> so uh, I'm just thrilled to death it's really great to be here amongst all the the golf equipment and golf people and run into so many people I know and I mean coming here for Selkirk is fantastic just uh, love their product and and uh, so just 
really, really thrilled to be here. Tell me a little bit about how pickleball and the golf community have evolved together. I'm sure, what was the way you found pickleball? I imagine it was through being at a course one day in some capacity. Well, it right? was actually through a friend of mine, my college buddy from Austin, Lisa nice. DiPaolo. And uh, she said, uh, I was still playing golf at the time. And she said, you know, you got to try this sport called pickleball. And I said, uh, I don't know. You know, I'm still playing golf when I'm done with golf. You know, right. I had a feeling I was going to. There'll be a time kinda, and a place for that stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I called her up and there was a time. And I called her up and I said, you know what? I'm, I'm ready to try this sport. And we went out and I fell in love with it immediately. And, and uh, ended up taking seven years off from golf. And uh, ironically enough, Selkirk invited me back last year for, um, uh, for the show. Actually invited me for the first time for yeah. the show. And I ran into, uh, well, I went and sought him out. My longtime sponsor was Ping on the tour, and I found uh, Mr. John Solheim. Nice. And uh, he set me all up with uh, brand new clubs and all the new equipment. And I fell in love playing the game again. That's great. Yeah. Wow. What a yeah. roundabout story. Yeah. Pickleball kind of brought you a little back to golf. Exactly. In a fun it, roundabout it did. It sure did. Very interesting. I'm always curious about pickleball players because it's one of those things where if you play sports like I do on a semi-organized level, you, know, you can pick it up and learn and understand it quickly. But I, I'm curious, what take what, what does it take to be, you know, just someone who picks it up and is okay from, to being a great pickleball player? Where, where is that difference in the margins there? You know, it really depends what you want out of the game. And uh, when I picked it up, so my buddy uh, Lisa, who introduced me to the game, we decided we were going to go play in a tournament. And uh, so we went and we played in the tournament. We saw our first opponents were these uh, really nice ladies, but a lot older. And yep. we're like, oh boy, we're just going to whip up on them. Unassuming. Yep, and they killed us. They killed us. <laughs> and that day I said, I am going to figure this game yeah, out. Yeah, what's going on here? I'm going to yep, change this. Yep. yep. So <laughs> I realized that there was a lot to this game. Anyone can go out and play and have fun, right. and that's that's fantastic. But if you want to dig in and really learn the ins and outs and, and uh, patterns and sequences and, and um, uh, you know, obviously the strategy... Uh, there's a lot to it. And I'm still watching. I was watching it on the plane and I watch pro events and I slow it down, speed it up. You know, well, I don't speed it up. I, I, I slow it down so I can see how yeah. their paddle works. And I'm constantly studying the game. So. It's on TV a ton now. You even yep. see, you know, professional golfers like people like Scotty Scheffler, Sheff Jordan yep. Spieth playing in pro-ams yep. events. So yeah. it really is crossing lines. Both sports are working together very harmoniously right now, I'd say. Well, it's pretty ironic because True Golf ended up uh, joining, uh, Selkirk ended up uh, being their official wow. sponsor. Okay. And so, and now- True massive golf course management brand for those yeah, who don't know. Yeah, they own that. over 600 properties all over the world. Yeah. And so now you're gonna be seeing Selkirk equipment and all Definitely. of those properties. And because golf and pickleball go together, you know, uh, golf courses normally have tennis courts, swimming pool, and now they're adding pickleball. So uh, it's just a it's a great crossover and and uh, naturally goes together. So it's wonderful that they're here at the at the PGA show. Very cool to see again. We're with Sherry Steinhauer here, LPGA legend and major champion. And we do have a little commonality. I now live in Austin, Texas, where I've been for 13 years. And you are a proud Texas Longhorn Absolutely. before you turn pro there. Um, tell me a little bit about what the college experience was like when you went to UT. A lot has changed in the Absolutely. city since you were there. Yeah, well, it was it was fantastic. I mean, when I went to the University of Texas, it was one of the top schools. I mean, we we had I think we practiced at seven different golf courses and and um, we had uh, we were treated amazing. And and, uh, you know, now it's just up that to oh yeah read. it's amazing it's it's incredible they got the UT golf club jordan speech guys own short course in austin in there where they oh, practice yeah. well, everything they have all, i think they all have their own launch monitors That's and, awesome. you know wow. just uh <laughs> you know their practice facility their their own locker room and 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 um everything that goes with it their travel schedule it's but uh texas was a great school i i, I wouldn't be where i am today without it so any trips or have you been back to re to Austin recently at all? Or? I usually, yeah, I get back. I um, Unfortunately, uh, the last time I was back, I went to, when we went to the University of Texas as an out-of-state player, you were you were given, um, you were assigned adopted parents. Oh, wow. And my adopted parents, my, my adopted dad, he died a few years ago, and oh. just recently my adopted mom died. And I went back and I gave the, I gave a eulogy, and I mean, we were, 
tight as can be till you know till she passed. That's it a was, very cool relationship, indeed, uh, for you yeah. being taken in like that in the community. They were the they were like amazing. That. The Osteens, they're amazing people. So uh, that was a that really helped me because I was I was pretty shy, and mm. uh, that really helped me get through college. Tell Wonderful me a little people. bit about adjusting to professional golf because interestingly, you actually had good success coming out early in your career as well. What did you attribute that to most? The wins well, in the early 90s mainly. Actually, it took me seven years till I had my first win. I didn't make a cut until my, I think it was like my seventh or eighth tournament. Um, so, so you took I, the lumps first. I did, I did. And you know, I think that's good. You yeah. gotta, you gotta learn through failures and, and all and, and uh, uh, it was it was that was tough, but eventually I came through and 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 had a win. And um, it's uh, you know that was my reasoning for going to Texas to even see if I could compete year round mm, because I grew yeah. up in Wisconsin, and uh, so you know it was just all an adjustment uh, getting out on tour and and it, and I was a little bit of a slower learner, but uh, ended up having a decent career. So absolutely. Pretty, Capped off, happy. Cap, capped off by one awesome pinnacle win that I want to discuss, the 2006 British Open win. I'm curious, um, what's your most vivid memory from that week and, and putting it all together in the form of a win at such a huge venue? Um, well, so I had won um, the British Open in 98 and 99. Yep. And at that time, um, it was not it was not, not a major considered a major. It was not correct. a major. Yeah. I'm still counting them. <laughs> They're still on there in my, my record book. I think they might a be yours of, a too. A lot of people say that oh, too. Okay, but so that's what meant the most to me is that I actually won one when it was a major. Yeah. And uh, that's what I, I I wanted it so badly to to have that. Got rid of that and, asterisk forever, by exactly. the way. Exactly. Nice job. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so and and that was at Royal Lytham where I had won that. Um, I had won there in '98. So it's kind of ironic. I did win there twice. Yeah, but. very cool. Very awesome moment. And in yeah. terms of women's golf now, we've been out to a lot of different LPGA events in the last couple of years and are regularly showcasing players uh, and change makers in the LPGA Tour and women's golf. Uh, now seeing the depth of the fields and the prize money now, uh, what's your reaction to seeing how it's evolved in recent years? I'm glad I played when I did. Yeah. <laughs> you sneak those W's in when you can get them, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, the players now, I mean, they just... Their, their swings are just fantastic. They're so efficient and they're hitting the ball so far. It's a, it's a different, it's a different ball game now. So, um, you know, kudos to them. It's, it's fantastic. The competition is just, uh, really, really gotten good. Yeah, definitely. Um, I love seeing the USGA matching prize money as well, too, for the U.S. Open men's and yes, women's side. That was a yep. really great effort to see. One other thing I'm looking forward to is I'm originally from the Boston, Massachusetts area. Oh, okay. And they're going to be coming back up to TPC Boston. The LPGA uh. Tour is uh, for Labor Day weekend. It oh, used wow. to be the PGA Tour's home yeah. of the Deutsche Bank Championship. Okay. But now the LPGA is going to come there. They're going to play at that exact same track. Oh. So I'm looking forward to covering that event. And I like seeing the tour getting right. out to markets like that that previously had a golf presence, but don't anymore. Right. So, oh, good that's move by exciting. the LPGA. Yeah, that's, I'm that's very great. excited for that. I'm um, so golf pickleball now. What's the life balance for you? Do you do you dabble in any of the Legends Tour stuff? Are you I all do. pickleball, or what are you up to these days? I What's do. The schedule so look I started. Like? Um, I started uh, playing uh, golf, professional golf again on the Legends Tour last summer. Uh, and the one, the one bad thing is that I really wanted to play the senior U.S. Open, yeah, uh -huh. but unfortunately I went out and I tested just walking and I wasn't able to, I was very sore at the uh, end of okay. 18 holes and my swing changed and I went to a doctor and I needed a knee, uh, hip replacement. Yep. So I had a hip replacement last July, hoping that I can play in the senior U.S. Open this year, but we'll see. I still have a ways to go, but I, I, uh, I'm going to play in the senior LPGA championship, which is taking place the end of May Nice. and we can take a cart. So that's so oh, I can always I, bonus. I, Love that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's good. But uh, yeah, so I'm going to get out there and play as many, many events as I can. Very cool. Sherry Steinhauer again joining us here on The Course of Life. A couple of uh, random course-related questions. Lynx golf aficionado and champion herself, but tell me, what's your favorite Lynx golf course to play, regardless of tournament or anything like that? Well, definitely Royal Lytham. Yeah. I loved it. Bias towards you where you want, right? I just love that golf course. Yeah. yeah. Very cool track. And then um, 
Waste Management Open Week in Phoenix, Arizona. How will you spend that? Are you going to be in the throngs in the 16th hole or will you be comfortably <laughs> watching at home or maybe somewhere in between? Well, it, as a matter of fact, I've never been before, but I'm going to go on Friday. So wow. um, I guess I got invited to the crow's nest on 17. So I'll probably be in there. Um, and uh, just I'll be there Friday roaming around having fun. It's quite the party. Brace, is, brace yeah. yourself for it. Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> I know. I got to see what this is all about. <laughs> it's worth one day for sure. Yeah. Um, we, we always end with our 19th hole question. So when you get done with a round of golf at your favorite course, and you get into the clubhouse. What's your go to order, your favorite meal and drink to have at the 19th hole? Oh, my favorite go to meal? Probably. Uh, Gosh, there's so many, but I'll probably get a quesadilla and, Good choice. and uh, okay. probably have a light beer of some sort. Yeah, not too heavy, not too light, yeah. just that right mix. Yeah. Love it. I don't drink much, but yeah. I do like one beer after I'm done playing. Fair enough. Sherry, <laughs> thank you so much for hopping on the Course of Life. Right. Really appreciate talking with you. Hey, best of luck with the pickleball game as thank well, Thank you, too. Alex. I appreciate that. Course of Life podcast is brought to you by Zencaster. We've been using Zencaster here since almost the very beginning as how Alex and I record this podcast from hundreds of miles away. And it provides us with great quality audio that works every time. And it's something that makes Course of Life what it is and has kept us being able to make consistent episodes every week. And now it's super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. You log in using your browser and start recording a high quality podcast right away. You record studio quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. You feel a sense of zen knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even if the connection is unstable. And have you ever wondered what you actually sound like? Zencaster's post-production process makes you sound buttery smooth. It automatically removes those ums and ahs in your recording. It removes those awkward pauses in conversation too. Set the right podcast loudness and levels while reducing background noise with the click of a button. Head on over to Zencaster.com pricing and use our promo code COURSEOFLIFE to get 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan. We want you to have the same easy experiences we do for all of your podcasting and content needs. Again, that's Zencaster.com slash pricing and our promo code course of life. Zencaster, it's time to share your story. We're back. Great chat there with Sherry. Love to hear her take on the evolution of the Solheim Cup, which really feel it to now it's like it's like the Ryder Cup, really. Yeah, it, it, it wasn't admittedly on the same stage for a while. But I think these last kind of handful of Solheim Cups and the momentum of the LPGA Tour and women's golf worldwide is definitely take it to, to the next level. And I'm hoping we get to experience that later this year. It's going to be in Virginia, right outside the nation's capital, Mike. Great setting for, for U.S. versus Europe and rekindling that amazing competition last fall in Spain where it was a tie score, but Europe retained the cup. So uh, we just had Maya Stark on. It was good to get the American perspective from Sherry, and I'm looking forward to hearing from more LPGA players in, in the weeks ahead as well. All right, let's get to our second guest, also from the PGA show floor. And this is a guy who, if you watched Golf Channel in the 90s and the 2000s, you know him really well. If you watch the big break, you also know him really well. Of course, we're talking to uh, probably the, the grandfather of golf instruction on television. Yeah. Rick, Rick Smith. Well put. Well put indeed. I mean, yeah, that's a name that transcends a lot of golf fans and a lot of generations. He has some amazing pearls of wisdom on working with the greats and the legends of the game like Phil and Arnie. But I, I first, because he's got so much experience in the evolution of golf instruction. He's been in it for decades. I asked him kind of how instruction has changed from when he started to where he is now. You know, it's amazing. When I always pictured back then, you know, when we didn't have the internet, we didn't have Instagram, we didn't have Facebook, we didn't have anything other than our little phone that couldn't even do a camera shot, right? Yes, I know. So, but in my head, I always thought that it'd be great to be able to do live 
live instruction, streaming instruction. Now those things are starting to happen, but it, the technology side of things has changed so radically, you know, yeah. in comparison to what we had. I mean, from you look at simulation, you look at uh, launch monitors, you look at this tee that's teeing balls up in the air. I mean, none of this existed. So it, it has been exciting to, to see how technology has helped grow the game somewhat, you know, yeah. because people are more interested in the game. Absolutely. Sure. And you've been with the trends uh, for your entire wow. career. And I appreciate seeing you out here on the show representing this brand as well, too. And talking about the legends of the game that you work with, obviously have to mention Arl Palmer. We're right in his neck of the woods down the street from Bay Hill. I know you've had some amazing moments working with him. What are your biggest takeaways of seeing him and how he works on his swing when he practices each day? When Arnold, the funniest story I have, and, you know, God bless him, miss him. Um, he's a friend of everyone's. But I'll never forget we were at Inverness for the PGA Championship. It was 1993. And it's Jack. It's Lee Jansen. It was, I think it was Billy Andrade and Arnold Palmer. Right? So I'm out there with Jack. And then Arnold goes, Rick, he says, I'm not hitting my long irons very good. Would you mind having a look? And we're out on the seventh hole in Inverness, which if you tee off, you know, it's a beautiful hole, stream to the right, uphill green site. And he drives it in the middle of the fairway. And, and I stand behind him because he's going to hit a two iron. And I stand like this, and I'm watching him swing, and I see his little move. Ball goes up, and I'm kind of seeing a pretty good-looking shot. Well, all of a sudden, the crowd goes crazy. The ball goes in for a two. And, and he turns around, and he goes, well, how about that? And I go, oh, we got to change everything. Yep. And I start laughing. He starts laughing. It goes in for a two. It is a practice round. I said, Arnold, I don't think you have a problem with your long irons. He just goes, where the world's at, Ben? You know, so it was fun. He used to also go to treetops and come up and play in the par three shootout years ago. And he would just say, what am I doing? I, you know, I'm not hitting it good. It was just fun working with him. He was always tinkering. And whether he was redoing a grip or he was looking at a certain key in his golf swing at the time. It was always fun. That's awesome. And you mentioned tree hop, tree tops, and you yeah. bring up an awesome piece of golf channel and reality TV history that you were a part of. Right. What's your favorite memory from that first season of the big uh, break? Well, it, it was amazing to see the competition and how important it was to the players. And the players were so nervous. I mean, I had guys look at me in between the shoot and they're next to, to play. They don't want to be eliminated. And one guy's like chain smoking and he's going, I don't know. I'm going to have a heart attack. What do I do? And I, it was that significant to these guys because they knew this was a big potential chance in their life. So that's what I remember the most is how real it was and how sad it was when the guys left and everybody had their favorites. So the show was popular. It and did really years well. Years later, after the fact, I ran into Randy Block in a movie theater oh in uh, Southwest Florida. How about that for a small world? Huh? Unbelievable. Isn't that he, great? He was a good player. Yeah. Uh, one of the other legends that you worked with is Phil Mickelson, who obviously people would love to a little bit know a little bit more about behind the scenes. But I'm curious, when he's tinkering with his swing, we always know him as such an analytical guy. What was the give and take process and feedback like working with Phil? Well, he, nevertheless, he was such a feel guy. He was also an art guy where... His length of swing, we didn't try to change that, but we tried to create better body structure so where his leg work wasn't as good as it should have been. And I think recentering him and with his, his center is he would drive his legs, fall back, flip a lot. And we got rid of that. And I would always make sure, even if his swing was long, that it was on plane because his tendency was, at least back then, he'd get a little steep, then he'd fall back. and and kind of flip it but the guy had the best hands in oh, yeah. golf so when you have a guy very feel oriented like that you you have to be sensitive to the fact that hey we all know there are a lot of ways to play but he mastered things with his hands and, and he never got rid of that so which i'm glad tiger also said that he said you know i he's had different swings but he never lost his hands very well Which said. Is, Again, we're here at the Power Tee booth here at the PGA Show. Um, I'm sure you're probably a vet of the PGA Show. Um, what are your thoughts about being here and seeing the, the really expansive and added crowd I've seen just from this year to last year? Oh, yeah. Good. No, you know, golf is, is doing great. Yeah. I mean, obviously, 
I'm real happy that, you know, during that COVID period, we saw this surge and, and all of a sudden we're always saying, is it going to die down? It hasn't. And people love to play. They love to play better. So they're looking for the edge and we all are, everybody is. And so whether it's with technology, with pressure plates, or whether it's with, you know, different swing aids or things that can help them, they're looking for ways to get better. And so I, I think the game's in a great place. And I think no matter what with live and a regular PGA tour, they'll figure out how to hopefully oh, yeah. merge yeah, and yeah. <laughs> make it work, you know, because there's some great players on both sides and, and they have to, you know, just respect that. So it's part of our change in our life, you know, and uh, competition is competition. Absolutely. Yeah. In terms of efficiency with practice and this power T setup, um, I know you're all about creating the most efficient practice session you can. Tell me what the power T does to help that. Well, one thing for sure is I had a ton of elbow, wrist, hand injuries from hitting off the standard. I'm on that right now. Yeah, that golfer's elbow. I mean, yeah. I couldn't, I couldn't, can't play for months. So what has happened is we brought this down to my golf performance center at Durrell, and I haven't felt anything in my elbows. I haven't felt any. So they've mastered the actual material when you want to hit it off the ground. And the T system has been great. I've used it for teaching <clears throat> where people have poor levels where their body's moving down or they're moving up. And, yeah. and when this Guilty. ball, you go to a low height, like they do have it right there. It's a low height for the iron. You can really work on, on that and strike it in the center. If your levels are bad, you won't. But what happens is when you finish your swing, and you're balanced and you're looking this way, you come back and it's right there again. Mm, so yep. then you get, you, you really develop really good rhythm. Creating repetition. And repetition that, that is the, ryth the rhythm side of it, you can really groove something good. And I loved it for awareness of your body and balance and awareness of the strike. So when you play golf, and that's one of the things that I've seen and why I like this so much with a power tee is that when you play, you know, people hit balls. <clears throat> I call it the rake. They rake it over. Yeah. Hit, rake, hit, rake. <clears throat> this is more like golf, where you strike it, it's gone, and you come back, and the ball's in front of you. So you're not doing the rake deal. Yeah. So you're learning kind of to say, hey, wait, one shot at a time. This shot's the most important. And then when you go play, what do you do? You hit a tee shot, you go find it and you hit it right away. Yes. <laughs> so, and you don't have that rake. The other ball's not there. Okay. So I like that. I like that it, it's creating a little different part of your routine, which is, which is very good. Taking the rake out. Love it. Shout out to Power T and Rick Smith. It's the Rick Smith Golf Performance Center. Now we love to end with our 19th hole question. Ooh. So my question for you is when you have a great practice session, you figure out what you need to, and you go back into your favorite clubhouse, what's your meal and drink that you like to order in the 19th hole? Well, if, if, if I am, if I've had a good day, I'll yep. have a Tito's okay. yep. with a little splash of raspberry lemonade. That'll work. You can't get that. You, I call it the RC Smith special. It's a good drink. And I love a good cheeseburger. Oh, so yeah. how do you not love a good yeah. cheeseburger, right? <laughs> Burger and Tito's? Olymp Olympic club. They have the, they, they have the hamburger that's sliced like a, a hot dog. And they put it in a hot burger dog. dog. Yeah. So, I mean, that. no, there's some cool burgers. Out there. I, I love them. <laughs> love you it. can tell right here. I can't know I'm going to He's enjoying his burgers. Rick Smith, legend <laughs> of the game, joining us here on the PGA Show floor. We're back. Great chat there with Rick at the Power T booth at the PGA show. Um, love hearing all those tidbits about working with Phil and Arnie and Arnie just like striping it. Yeah, when he's seriously. Asking for help. <laughs> didn't didn't need much help for that practice round. No. First shot Rick saw, he put it in the hole from a million yards away with a two iron. Uh, just insane memories from the game. And Rick has seen it all. And it was awesome to get that perspective from him. And uh, look forward to seeing more of his teaching content. You can follow him on YouTube and socials as well. He's always posting clips of his teachings. And uh, awesome to con connect with the legend of the game.
And if you like that conversation, plus everything else we do here on this podcast, make sure you punch that subscribe button so you never miss an episode. A lot of great chats still on deck from the PGA show, including with uh, with what actors? Oh, we got LPGA. Um, we got John Rom's yeah. trainer. We got influencers. We got every, we're, co- we're coming with everything here in the next few weeks. Everything, everything. So make sure you follow us on Instagram, COL Podcast, Course of Life, Alex. I'm there too, MWRINC. You can just see videos of baking stuff. That's all I really mm. put on there. Now. it's good it is pretty good uh alex is on x formerly known as twitter course of life one of course we're on youtube uh and uh, all the different podcasting apps you can check us out everywhere on instagram we post stuff about food as well on always end with food so you can make sure to check that out too we'll talk food in a couple minutes but right now let's talk about the nba all-star weekend i want to talk first about the glass court and yes. the, the light projection show they had going on underneath it and just how crazy it was on display, especially during the skills competition and the three-point contest. Just crazy. It was, yes. That That is what the NBA does very well, is their graphics game and, and their development and design of All-Star Weekend is phenomenal. It, it makes you feel like you're watching basketball in the future, yep. and that was neat to see. What wasn't really phenomenal at all yeah. was pretty much all the basketball that went let on me, all weekend at All-Star Weekend. Let me give you 90 seconds. I'm going to let you take the floor for 90 seconds, get on your soapbox, and tell me why the NBA All-Star Weekend is broken. So it started with the skills competition, where it's an obstacle course, three-on-three-on-three, on three on three, and none of the players even knew which way to go. Like, yeah, so they were not, we're, not only are we not following instructions, we're clearly acting like we just don't give a damn about any of these events at all. The dunk contest was an absolute catastrophe, an abomination to the dunk contest. It keeps getting worse and worse every year. I don't know how, Mike. Even you remember the days of Nate Robinson jumping over everybody and Blake Griffin jumping over a car. We are so far removed from any of those antics. Uh, The dunk contest needs a serious renovation, Mike. My quick idea that I got from Dakota from Braintree and, and Swing Juice, who we had on the show, is we just have like regional dunk contests all across the country, and we just get the best dunkers. I don't even care if they're in the NBA or not. I just need better dunkers actually doing the dunk contest because the four that they picked from the NBA have been trash in recent years. And then the Sunday night game, 211 points scored by the game-winning team in the Eastern Conference. Zero defense. It's basically like a glorified YMCA game. I don't know. Listen, I'm a bit. I'm a the biggest fan of the NBA All Star Weekend that you can find, but in recent years, I'm just grasping at straws to find entertaining and exciting moments. It's really sad to see. It wasn't exciting to see Sabrina UNESCO shooting threes. Okay, all right. I'll give you one. One there. That may have been the highlight of Saturday night was Sabrina Ionescu, uh, WNBA three-point champion, challenging. Remember, she challenged Steph Curry to this head-to-head and went head-to-head, shot for shot. Steph Curry had to get to his last two balls before he beat her. That was a really cool event. Let's harness more of that energy. Maybe bring in some of the other leagues, the best dunkers from around the world. Those are the type of things I want to lean in on. Why don't we bring in Caitlin Clark? Yeah, seriously. I mean, I mean come on. <laughs> ne- next year, she's going to be in the WNBA. I can already oh, tell yeah. you that. So yeah. her, how about a th- I'll do three-way. I'll do Caitlin Clark versus Sabrina versus Steph. Let's just add her in. And then let's why don't, just why don't add we the do, party. Why don't we do, since it seems like the guys aren't trying when they play the game, they don't play defense. We had, what, yep. over 300 points scored during the game. Why don't we go ahead and do a WNBA All-Star team versus an NBA All-Star team? That would be so great. <laughs> Imagine the, the guys dancing around, like, how hard they go. Like <laughs> That would be so funny to watch, just for the mental gymnastics as to how that game would go. The guys wouldn't know what to do, and the women would be just playing so hard the entire time. They would be running into these guys and pushing them to the floor, and the women would probably win, because they would be... they have. You know, they just, you know, they would. The guys wouldn't know what to do. Okay, so miniaturized (laughs) idea is take two kind of like smaller guards and put them in a little two-on-two against Caitlin Clark and Sabrina. That Now mm. we're starting to cook with some ideas for future NBA All-Star Weekend. So I like where your head's at. Um, but yeah, overall, uh, a rough, rough display of PR for the NBA this past All-Star Weekend. Uh, one basketball thing I did need to mention on the pod, just because it blew my mind, Austin Half Marathon was here this past weekend, Mike. A guy named mm-hmm. Ben Duong, he completed the half marathon while dribbling a basketball oh, in geez. one hour and 21 minutes 
That's a six minute, 15 second mile pace. What are your thoughts on those numbers? <laughs> That's unreal. That, that, I just needed to mention that because the world needs to hear about this accomplishment that happened here in Austin this past weekend. Half mile, one hour, 21 minutes while dribbling the basketball. Color me impressed. That's incredible. <laughs> uh, hey, football season is over. So you know what that means, Alex? It's mm, baseball season. That's right. I'm heading down next week. Am I, am I catching yeah. a Sox game? I might head to Fort Myers. I might. Why not? Why not? Spring training is here. It's happening. Pitchers and catchers reported last week. The rest of the guys are all showing up right now. It's it's officially time to enjoy a infinite number of months of baseball season. <laughs> Definitely. And, and you're going to have fun with this news that I just got from baseball as well, too. The Netflix cameras, kind of like the way they follow full swing on the PGA Tour, they're mm. doing an all-access documentary on the Red Sox this season oh, who God. are coming off a horrible season and did and it, absolutely nothing in the <laughs> offseason to make themselves better. So I, I, was, I think you might enjoy that a lot this year. I was going to say, are the Red Sox expected to win one more game or lose one more game? <laughs> <laughs> We're trying to get to 70, maybe. I don't know. We got 76, 77 wins last season. I Man. lost count because they gave up in September, just like I did. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, you might have some fun with that one because uh, Netflix is going to see all the goriness of this uh, this 2024 Red Sox campaign. That's just that's a that's too bad. Yeah, it's unfortunate. It's too yeah. bad. You know, it's not like you went out and got, you know, a new hitter and maybe you're in the hunt for for Jake Snell to get a good new pitcher in your lineup and you're you're looking real real high and mighty for the season like nope. the Yankees are. Can't We're say going that. all nope. the way. We're Couldn't going be all me. the way. Couldn't We're be going me. All the way. All right, let's hashtag always end with food. Yep, food segment to end every Course Life podcast, our 19th whole segment indeed. Uh, and we're talking chicken today. I had an awesome food truck find. It's a food truck I've known about for years here in Austin. They've expanded rapidly. It's Spicy Boys Fried Chicken. They do all things fried chicken, sandos, bone-in wings, boneless nugs, and they have this unbelievable sweet chili honey sauce that they put mm. in their batter that just makes it pop like no other. It's it's 9.5 out of 10 chicken. Uh, which way do you lean, though, in, in the chicken department there? Are you sandwich, you nugs, you tenders, you wings? What are you going for? Well, you know, as you've probably picked up from me by now after all these years of just doing this, depends on how I'm feeling as to what I will go with. Based on your mood, I guess. Based on it. That said, um, I, I am becoming more and more of a sucker for a good wing. Um, and if I had to choose between a tender and a nugget, I'm definitely going with a nugget. Um, and the chicken sandwich is just kind of there. If I decide I want more carbs, <laughs> you know what? Well put on the sandwich because it, it's not that it wasn't my favorite item, but once you get through four fried crispy wings and a handful of nugs and a couple of tenders, there's, there's not much room for the sandwich when you're like me yeah. and you're trying the entire menu in one visit. Uh, so shout out to spicy boys for getting it done. Sweet chili, honey, papaya relish, Mike, Thai basil ranch, just some lovely Asian inspired flavor in the chicken. So if you're ever in Austin or central Texas, uh, be sure to check out Spicy Boys. Love it. All right, that's a wrap on this week's Course of Life. For Mike, I'm Alex. We'll see you next week. <laughs>